Chapter 14 What Women As I embarked on learning about public speaking and began to talk about my own experiences in the Holocaust, I became interested in expanding my knowledge of what had happened beyond the personal. The nagging question came to haunt me time and again. How could the Holocaust, in all its enormity, as well as in its minute details, have happened? How and why? Six million Jews, hundreds of thousands of Roma and many others, murdered mercilessly by people who were supposedly cultured and educated. By this time, there were many resources on the history of the Holocaust, as well as memoirs and diaries. I started reading Raoul Hilberg's The Destruction of the European Jews, Emanuel Ringelblum's Notes from the Warsaw Ghetto, Christopher Browning's Ordinary Men, Reserve Police Battalion 101, and The Final Solution in Poland, just to name a few. And then there were the widely read memoirs, Primo Levis, Survival in Auschwitz, and Elie Wiesel's Night. Diaries, the mute testimonies left behind by those who were murdered, along with the collective voices of survivors and their written memoirs, are still helping historians and social scientists understand the details of what happened. But as the stories came out, it seemed to me that the anti-narrative of the Holocaust was seen through the eyes of men, that it was, in the words written by Professor John K. Roth, an ungendered unity of experience. As more memoirs and testimonies by female survivors appeared in English, starting with Anna Frank's The Diary of a Young Girl in 1952, and then Isabella Leitner's Fragments of Isabella, a memoir of Auschwitz in 1978, Etty an interrupted life, the diaries and letters of Atihilassum in 1983, Lucille Greens From Ashes to Life, My Memories of the Holocaust, 1994, Olga Langell's Five Chimneys, 1995, and hundreds more, scholars began to hear other voices and paid attention to them. In 1983, Drs. Joan Rinkelheim and Esther Katz convened a conference called Women Surviving the Holocaust, the first of its kind. I managed to obtain a copy of the proceedings, which outlined the aim of the conference. To open up a new era of research on women and put the issue of gender on the Holocaust Studies map. Then, one Mother's Day, my daughter, who was enrolled in a women's studies program, surprised me with a book, Different Voices, Women and the Holocaust, edited by Drs. John K. Roth and Carol Rittner, 
two non-Jewish noted scholars in the United States. I was blown away by the writings of the scholars and survivors in this book, which is still a classic. I continued to read and educate myself about women's roles in the ghettos and in the armed and unarmed resistance. I also learned about the immense suffering of women and their struggles to survive in the places I knew so intimately myself. It is clear that every Jewish woman, man, and child was equally targeted for total annihilation as Jews, first and foremost. And yet, exploring gender differences can according to scholars, deepen our understanding of these events that defy comprehension. This does not mean competing for a place in a hierarchy of suffering. On the contrary, the aim of researching gender-specific suffering in the Holocaust is to hear the voices of all the victims, those who survived and those who did not so as to enhance our understanding of history. Scholars agree that the voices and writings of women survivors comprise a unique genre, one that is driven by the twin circumstances of racism and biology, revealing women's double vulnerability, first as Jews and second as women. As Dr. Esther Fuchs states in her book, Women and the Holocaust, Narrative and Representation, by ignoring gender, we stand to miss one of the most lethal weapons of Nazi propaganda and persecution. Antisemitism and misogyny were interconnected in the Nazi apparatus. Oh, I could easily agree with this premise as I had felt the effects of both. With my new internet skills, for which I am forever indebted to my son Jonathan, I began to read online as well, and I found at least one pretty extensive Holocaust website, remember.org. I emailed the editor, and after I praised the content, I asked, and where are the women on your website? I soon received a reply in the form of a question. What women? This was another pivotal point in my life. In 2001, I decided that in addition to my public speaking engagements, teaching about the genocide of approximately half a million Hungarian Jews through my personal experiences within their historical context, I would have an additional task. I felt compelled to create a website dedicated to the women of the Holocaust, chronicling the horrors they experienced because of their Jewishness, as well as the added layer of gender and sex-related abuse that characterized the struggles of women to survive under Nazi yoke. I also felt drawn to this work by my memory of the Canada Commando. When we arrived in Birkenau, they are urging, give the children to the grandmothers. 
in an attempt to save the young mothers. I was of the opinion that academia must not talk only to academia, that all the significant papers, research materials, and knowledge about women in the Holocaust must get to a much wider audience, especially to students in universities and high schools. I was determined. And so, with a friend's technical help and my editorial work, the site Women and the Holocaust, a cyberspace of their own, was created. The acknowledgement page credits everyone who has graciously and generously helped in different capacities, including my dear husband, Sid, who endured with job-like patience the long hours I spent at the computer. I wanted to fill the site with educational material that would be a bridge between academia and the Internet using public at large. I try to construct something worthwhile that might become a good teaching tool on a topic that suffered from a paucity of public exposure. I hoped also that at least a few members of the next generation working in higher education would not just be interested in reading the material on the website, but would be inspired to study and research it further and one day teach it. One such brilliant undergraduate student who told me that I influenced him was Thomas Jardim at Trent University. He became a friend and a noted professor at Ryerson University. To begin with, I wanted to record survivor stories. I approached several through Neuberger Holocaust Center, and I transcribed and published their stories under personal reflections. This was rewarding, but very time-consuming. And eventually, I asked survivors to give me written stories to publish. I received many stories, including a number from Hungary that had been translated into English. Little by little, the number of stories grew. Getting material from scholars was another challenge. At that point, being published on the Internet was not considered prestigious. But I had my own vision, and it proved to be correct. I had the good fortune to meet the late Dr. Jaffa Eliach, with whom I became friends. She was a pioneer in the field of Holocaust research and the founder of New York Center for Holocaust Studies, which had published a newsletter about women partisan fighters and resistance workers in 1990. I asked her if I could publish some of those stories on my website. Jaffa looked at me with a big smile. Judy, you can have the entire issue. Publish them all. I published the stories under the heading Women of Valor. This was the best possible encouragement I could have received. Next, I approached Dr. Myrna Goldberg, the noted Holocaust scholar, who coined the famous expression, different horrors, same hell, to describe women suffering in Nazi captivity. 
She became one of my friends and major supporters and was generous with her encouragement and contributions. Her essays were also published on my website. A dear friend, Dr. Karen Dorr, undertook the monumental work of creating the many-faceted bibliography and updating it, and her husband, Dr. Gary Evans, curates the filmography section. A number of other scholars, Dr. Joan Simolchik, Dr. Sarah Horowitz, Dr. Dahlia Ofer, and Drs. Rochelle Zeidel and Sonia Hedgepeth, who have written extensively on Jewish women's sexual abuse in Ravensbrück and in other camps, either contributed or were supportive of my website and its raison d'etre. In an essay in the book Experience and Expression, Women, the Nazis, and the Holocaust, Professor John K. Roth acknowledges my vision in using the Internet for Holocaust education specifically to talk about the issue of gender and has kind words to say about my website. My website also contains book reviews, poetry, short stories, stories that children and grandchildren of survivors have contributed, stories about motherhood, early testimonies by women given to the Central Jewish Historical Commission in Warsaw in 1944 and 1945, and stories of reflection written by survivors years after the liberation. I am indebted to so many people who, along with me, saw the important mandate of this still timely website. I am glad I had the strength to do it. After all, it is a tribute to half the Jewish people who experienced the Holocaust. Sadly, in Canada, the academic and Holocaust education community in general has been very slow to promote greater awareness of women's experiences in the Holocaust, both in terms of what was done to them and how they coped with the horrors of survival. However, there have been positive developments in general, and a good number of conferences, books, and exhibits have been created. In 2007, Yad Vashem created an international exhibit called Spots of Light, to be a woman in the Holocaust, and in 2018, they turned it into an online exhibit acknowledging that, and I quote, women, men, and children follow different paths to death.